man don't live off of the hype, huh? Real thing, eh? Yeah. I pull up in Lexus like it's 07. I just hit a lick, I gotta hit the next one. Last year, I know you're learning a lesson like a GPS. This is Laurie Fitzpatrick, and you're listening to Ponytails Talking Pigskins. Jaguars just got their win. It was ugly, but they got the win, 19-7. to They come out and leave that snowy Cleveland, Ohio, with a W. First in the AFC South. We haven't clinched anything yet, guys, but you know what? We are so close. We are so close. Everybody was saying... Oh, the Jaguars, yeah, they're in first place after Thursday night when the Titans lost, but I bet you they're not going to beat the Browns, and everybody already knows that the Jags are going to bust, and they're not going to be able to beat the teams that they're supposed to be, but you know what? They came out with the W. It was ugly. It was real, real ugly, but that doesn't matter. We won. That's That's really the main point. The refereeing was terrible. The Jags ended that game with, I think it was five or six penalties, and guess how many penalties the Cleveland Browns got? Zero. A big fat egg goose. (laughs) Nothing. How do you not have a single penalty in a game? Like, I understand you're at home and all, but come on. There were so many no calls. It was out of control. So many times there was hands to face. Like, so many times there was pass interference. There was holding on the offensive line, yet not a single call. And you know what it all comes down to? Pete Morelli. Like, come on. You know, you know, you know. That this guy is not, he, he shouldn't be refing in the NFL anymore. It's absolutely ridiculous at this point that he's still in there refing these horrible games. When teams don't have a single penalty against them, that's not something you want to look at. Come on, NFL. Come on, NFL. Get it together, man. This this refing is ridiculous. That D.D. Westbrook catch, no catch, I should say. There is no, there is no reason that shouldn't have been a catch. Oh, because... And people are going to say, oh, well, there's no conclusive evidence that the ball wasn't moving when he when he fell to the ground. But, you know, it shouldn't have been ruled incomplete. My whole issue is the initial call. Just like the ending of the game when they had, we had the forced fumble on Kaiser. And and Fowler ended up with the, with the he picked up the fumble, ran, basically was about to run into the end zone, and yet they blew the whistle. Why the f- why in the heck did they blow the whistle? Why are they ending these plays? They need to call every close play touchdown or or at least call it for what it is giving it to the team because you know that they're always going to review it. So why are they even ruling it incomplete? Why are they even ruling it a no fumble when clearly you're going to go over it anyway? So what's the freaking difference? Like, just call the play for what it is, what happens, and then you're going to go back. Because they're going to go back anyway. It's ridiculous that you can't challenge certain plays. It's absolutely horrible the way it's run right now. Like, there's no reason in the world that D.D. Westbrook shouldn't have got that completion. And, of course, Adam Schefter tweets out right after the game, Oh, D.D. Westbrook was 160 yards away from his... uh, prediction for 200 yards okay well when you kill the momentum and don't give a guy a catch and it's his first game of the season in the snow nonetheless and the dude makes a beautiful sideline catch gets all 10 toes down and unfortunately gets taken back that's you know that takes all the gas out of you man it's like it's absolutely ridiculous but moving on from that game you know that they're gonna there's gonna be bad calls regardless so you just you have to take it and just go with it 
But this game was important. Why was this game important? Because this was a team that has zero wins right now. <sighs> People can say it's a trap game. And I have a huge issue with the term trap game. Number one, half the people that use it don't even use it in the correct context, okay? A trap game is not against a team that's bad. There are a lot of times where you get into a trap game situation and it's not because they're going against a bad team. It has everything to do with momentum, okay? When you have a couple wins under your belt and then you go into a week, you know, you're supposed to win, not against a bad team, but a team that you're supposed to beat and you lose, you know, it, it's 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 a good team that has momentum that goes into a week where they should probably win, but because the cliche is just so, like, apparent that they end up losing it. There is no cliche with this team. This Jacksonville team, we came out of the season last year with only three wins. I don't even think it's definition, like... I really don't think it's possible for the Jags to have a trap game unless they just go out and they they beat Arizona and they beat the Colts and they beat the Seahawks and then, you know, somehow maybe the Texans game is a trap game, you know, because they're on a roll. But it, it, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, you have to play against a bad team. Like, yes, I understand that that happens a lot of the time. But honestly, the Browns, they haven't really been – I mean, they've been bad. Kaiser has been bad. Like, if you want to go over their stats, you have – they are – in for defense – okay, let's just go over their offense first. So, coming into this game, they were last in the league with interceptions. Well, first, I should say. Uh, Kaiser had the most with 12. They were 32nd in TDs thrown against them, 32nd in passing yards game against them with 172. Um, their rushing is just – very average, uh, Crow, Crowell, uh, he's, or Crowell, I'm, I'm sorry, I really, I, I watched this game a thousand times, and I still can't even pronounce this guy's name right, but he had 441 yards coming into the season, uh, with only 50 yards per game, like, Duke Johnson is the best, pretty much, like, guy on their team, uh, Coleman came back after being gone since week two, and obviously, he, he's, he's a good player, and he, that was definitely evident, during the game, he had a lot of good plays against Jalen, and we'll get into that. But Duke Johnson was like fourth or fifth in receiving. He was kind of like a McCaffrey type of player. He was originally coming in as a running back, and Cleveland just had they lost some guys, so they have been putting him uh, in the slot and as wide out. And he's actually he's performed really well. Um, but that's why I don't really think he should be considered a running back. That's why he's. He's, he was top five, top six uh, with yards uh, per reception, or just reception yards in general. Uh, he's up there, and I'm not saying he's not a good player because he is a good player, but they have literally nobody else. And he was the one that scored the touchdown for him, uh, for the Cleveland Browns. And it, they, they only had one touchdown. I, I did predict um, them not getting a touchdown at all. I did have them getting nine points, but all by field goals. Uh, I believe I had Jacksonville winning... Uh, like 24 or 28 to 9 uh, and it was it was you know it was 19-7 everybody knew it was going to be a defensive game the the over under on this game was 37 points which is absolutely ridiculous if you didn't take the under on that then you just you're an idiot and stop betting because like everybody knew it was going to be a defensive game like their offense sucks we have a great offense or a uh, great defense and our offense isn't that great uh you know passing basically and 
the defense actually isn't that bad. So they were 16th in uh, pass TDs, 16th in, in highest allowed. So, you know, 16 out of 32, they're half, you know, half, not half bad. But 28th in a pass defense and 20th in total sacks, which isn't much. They're not getting great pressure on the quarterbacks. They're just, it was an opportunity for our offense to come out and kill it. Uh, and that's why I had them scoring 28 points or 24 points, just because I thought that on offense we were going to do a little bit better. But it was it was snowing. Like, we had about three or four fumbles. We didn't have many turnovers. I believe it was 5-1. Uh, to one. We only had the one turnover. But the, it was it was snowing, and, and, it's, and it's tough for these guys to come in and hold on to the ball because of the injuries. Like, we had no Amame, no Parnell. So that's the two of our offensive linemen that were out. So can't really hate on these guys for not producing on offense because a lot of our starters were hurt. So you're going to come into a game where the defense knows that, you know, you're not used to starting and you're not used to holding on to the ball. You're not used to the snow. You, you know, you had reports that Fournette – hates the snow like oh my god a running back doesn't like the snow a team in florida doesn't like the cold like oh my god big news breaking news come on man like that's obvious you, you got half of our freaking team is from florida like we drafted them because they were from the home state of florida like a lot of these guys are from louisiana uh you got so like alabama dd like all of our players are are down south guys but you know what just as long as we come out with the wins, that's what needs to happen regardless. So um, I'm old enough to remember the Jags going into the snow and, and killing Pittsburgh. And I'm saying that I'm that old to remember. But, you know, it was only it was only 10 years ago that we did that. And I say 10 years like like it wasn't a long time, but that was the last time that the Jags were relevant. So it's it's pretty unfortunate, but they came in the snow they beat the Steelers, then into the first wildcard game, beat the Steelers again in the snow. There ain't no joke, man. When the Jags have to step up, they step up. So that's what's most important. But uh, Cole has been doing pretty good as an undrafted rookie, man. Uh, the guys on offensive line, Josh Wells, uh, he stepped up. Chris Reed has been, you know, he hasn't been doing bad. A lot of these guys have been moving around, like Brandon Linder um, and A.J. Can, and like I said, Purnell was out. So, you know, you got these guys that are just stepping up when they have to, and that's really what a good team does when they're riddled with injuries. I don't know if you guys saw last week, but this injury list had, like, at least 10 guys on it. Four of them didn't practice. Like, Hearns, I, I, I would really love to know what's going on with uh, with his uh, with his lower body injury because it's, it's not looking good, and we need him. You know, after Allen Robinson went down, this is – this was like ugh, the year for the Jags to really step it up. And, and yeah, we have, but we really – is our offense concerning right now? Is our pass offense something that we need to be worried about going into the second half of the season? Uh, like, are these injuries going to con continue? Should we consider sitting Fournette because of his ankle? Uh, is Cam Robinson – it is is he having an issue right now? I'm gonna go ahead and say no, uh, only because you have other guys that aren't doing as well. So it's gonna kind of mess up the cohesiveness, the cohesiveness of the offensive line. Like I don't think this this uh, Cam Robinson play at right now has been that much of an issue. Yeah, you're gonna get false starts in clutch moments of the game, but 
you know, that's just something you have to work through as an offense. And I don't know if you listened, but Cam Robinson was actually mic'd up in the game versus the Browns, and he was hyping me up, man. He's out there roughing up Miles Garrett. Or, yeah, Miles My- Garrett. He was he was shutting him down, man. I-, I was I was loving it. Rookie versus rookie. You know, he's his age. He was uh, one of the – I think he was, like, the number one draft pick. Like, come on, man. And then Cam Robinson is out there just – yeah, he had a couple good plays against him. But, you know, of course you are. As offensive linemen, your, your job is to keep the defense away. When they're on the defense, they're kind of the offense because when you're the offensive line, you're trying to keep your quarterback in a good place inside the pocket. But that dictates your positioning when the defensive line, when it's a fast guy that's lined up uh, across from you. So, you know, you're going to have to shift your feet and just – you're going to have to make – it's like more of a, a reactive position instead of a proactive position because you have to react to where the defense goes. If he tries to juke inside, you can either take him inside or mo- you most likely want to drive him out. Like, let him take you out if he's going to take you out of the play and he's going to try to go around Blake. Then ride that out, man. Ride that out because you know where the play is going. He doesn't. So if he wants to ride you all the way out, then just take that because that's – you know, that's going to just take him out of the play. And as the offensive lineman, you got to know that. And you have to be on the same page with your quarterback. So, uh, and as these games go forward, Blake and Cam are going to be on a more, like, cohesive level. And they're just going to get a better rapport and get a better feel for each other. And he's going to know, like, okay, I know that Cam doesn't have a good, uh, you know, right-side blocking strength. So, I know that when he's somebody's lined up to the right of him I'm gonna shift over to the left like those are some things that you guys need to you know be aware of and um no like and and as of right now I am not worried about this offensive line I'm I'm worried because of the injuries but I'm not particularly worried about the performance uh it was it was actually shocking I'm not gonna lie I've I said it on my very first podcast where when uh, Pro Football Focus released the offensive line and <laughs> rankings and I think the Jaguars were up there, man. And I didn't agree, but I'm going to go ahead and say I was wrong. Like, they're not great, but you don't have to be great to be a good offensive line. You could be average and be good because it's the players around you that have to perform and they're going to perform because it's like, as a skilled player, you're taught these basic fundamentals of football. You see the hole, you go. And, you know, just as long as you have average to above average players, they're going to perform around, around you if you do your job. So I'm just, I'm loving this offensive line right now. I'm loving that they've been able to step up. Um, I think that Blake needs to make some better decisions um, and, there needs to be a change in play calling. Uh, but you know what? We'll get into the, the game and play-by-play. Play. Uh, but who performed well? I'm going to say the defense, without a doubt, obviously, hands down. There's pressure nonstop all throughout the game. It was just Kaiser just had nowhere to go. And when he did get, finally get the ball out, <laughs> the Browns saved it, man. They, they saved the Jags because there was a lot of drops. They had a ton of drops that game. Like, it was it was almost like, Jax, you're going to lose this game because the Browns are handing it to you right now. And the refs were doing everything to try to keep this game from the Jags. So, luckily, they were able to, to push this win out. But who else performed well? I'm going to go with Marquise Lee. 
and I know I say this every week, but he is just the clutch man. He's the third down man. He should be, like, nicknamed third down keys, like, I don't know, because he's the number one guy that Bortles is looking for. Um, he's just been nonstop factor in every single game, every single third down. You know it's going to be a quick slant to to Marquise Lee, and I don't know how these defenses haven't picked this up yet, but if it's a third down, put man-to-man on Marquise Lee and have a zone zone read on him or something because he's out there killing these guys, man. He's getting open. He's getting off the block. You can't keep Marquise Lee down. He will break one, and, and don't get lazy with your arm tackles because he got yak. He, he has yak for days, but the run game has also been great. Like, Ivory is, I don't know if he's 100%. I can't say that he is, but, oh, I'm sorry. I can't say Fournette is 100% because of his ankle, but we have Ivory, we have Yeldon, and we have Grant. They each have their own strengths. So there are a lot of games where you think, okay, they have a, you know, they're preparing for Fournette. So you may want to go with Yeldon or Grant with a more of like a tailback, a quick back uh, scheme. But Ivory ends up killing it. So you go with Ivory and somehow, somehow he gets it and he performs. But then there are other games where he doesn't get anything. And like the Browns game, the whole first half, he got maybe one carry or two carries for one yard, I think it was. He's He was stuffed almost the entire game. He didn't get much. Uh, but Yeldon, on the other hand, he he well, he was a little bit better. He he performed a little bit better. And before net, without a doubt, is the number one guy. And it's just he just gets right through the line and and sh- sh- uh, third and shorts, man. That's 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 all you gotta do is hand that ball off to him, and he's just gonna go. Like I love it. I love it. I love this offense. I love it. Um, this run game has been amazing. It's it's not quite like MJD and Fred Taylor uh, rushing offense like back in the day. But, and it's only because Fournette hasn't been playing. Uh, I think if he was playing week to week to week to week, he would be killing it without a doubt, uh, hands down. He would be rookie of the year. But, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go back to the, this Chargers game, but you can't miss treatments. You can't miss stupid, and you call it stupid, picture days, man. You just got to be there. You got to just suck it up and, and do it. So, um, who else performed well? And I'm sure nobody's going to agree with me, but Josh Lambeau. He did have his first miss in this game, but it was his birthday, man. Who cares? He needed to get that one miss out of the way. And if it's going to be against a team that you're going to get the win against, like the Cleveland Browns, I'll take that. I'll take that first miss. I'll eat it. I don't care. He made the one that he needed to make. I think the one in the, in the third quarter, or the he missed the 41 and then made uh, made the one that we really needed to. So, but those are the players that that I think performed well. Um, Ngakwe, of course, I'm not gonna forget about him. Obviously, Calais and and AJ. AJ, oh man, he's been AJ has been amazing. We'll get to that also. But it, it's it, it was it was an awesome win. Um, but it was some ugly ugly football couple of other weaknesses I want to touch on that's going to scare me entering the second half of the season uh, is the the kick returning you know the the Browns come out and they I believe they get like a 40 50 some yard return that's not good 
you really want to lock that down, and, and that's the same thing that happened against in the Rams game. They opened up with, with a kick return, man, and I understand they came right back, and Lenny, he got that long run, but you can't let those things happen. Those can sometimes dictate a game. They could be make or break, especially when playoff time comes. So I think that's one thing they really need to get together. I, I love the special teams, though, in general, just because – they are making these trick. They're like they're throwing these trick plays out there, and it's keeping it's keeping these defenses and these special teams on their toes. You're gonna do an onside kick like just in the middle of the game randomly, like even though we didn't even really need it. It kind of sucked that they were two guys were off sides, but he would have had it otherwise. So I'm I'm gonna say the only thing in special teams that they really should look at is the kick returning. Uh, but I love the decision making so far. They did another fake punt, and now they're gonna have these teams are gonna have to prepare for prepare for these things that are gonna happen. Um, and that's gonna just keep the game more open. Uh, they're not gonna get a chance to have blockers uh, for these returners if if they're gonna. If we're gonna fake it, so uh, that's that, I think that's awesome that we are doing that because, it, like I said, it's keeping them on their toes. So I love the trick plays, um, but like right when the game started, you had Malik sack, which was uh, the first time that Kaiser dropped back, and then you had Telvin Smith's interception. Like it, I just oh man, this defense, man, it's just I I can't get over. It. I don't know. I'm I'm definitely saying that they're the best defense in the NFL because. With Darius, they they moved up from last in rushing yards allowed to I think like eight or nine spots. Like and and I know that the the bye week definitely helped them on that, but it's just these these guys are just coming out here every single week and and really just getting rapport is on point and they're stopping these guys. They they're stopping. The only thing they really need to work on are, are those flat uh, and quick slant routes. And that's just the linebackers being on page, on the same page. And that's when Duke Johnson made his reception for the TD. It was, it was Telvin switched at the last minute, uh, or Gibson actually. I don't know why Gibson didn't stay on Duke Johnson. He had Telvin switch, and then he dropped back into coverage, and it should have been man to man. And then Duke Johnson, there was a little window for him to to receive that ball. He did, and he just ran right into the end zone and. Those things are going to happen. It's just miscommunication. Otherwise, I have no doubt in my mind that they wouldn't. They would have been shut out. So, uh, you have you had Mercedes Lewis on the seam route uh, get the touchdown, and that's one thing. Why isn't Mercedes Lewis in more packages? Is it because he's getting older? Is it something you want to be worried about? Because every single time he gets receptions, we get a win. So I'm not going to sit here and say give him the ball more, because you know, maybe that will somehow dictate the end of the game. Uh, if you give it to him more than, I don't know, and he doesn't do well, then we don't do well. So I like the fact that every time he gets some receptions, we get the W, which is great. But I think if it would make our offense better as a whole if he got some more touches. Um, but uh, O'Shaughnessy uh, hasn't been – he hasn't been bad. He had a pretty good first down – reception and it was just like a little seam route and he just gave it to him quick and he got it he caught it and it was no big deal so I just think the tight end play in general needs to be just more apparent and then right after that uh touchdown by Mercedes Lewis that's when they did the onside kick and then 
Then it got really ugly. Um, Cleveland punted. There was a fumble. Uh, then uh, Fournette had that big gain. Uh, then then we punted. Then uh, then uh, the the Cleveland Browns punted again. It was it got pretty ugly uh, around the second and second and uh, third quarter. I think there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There were like twelve possessions where it was just punts. Um, there was a missed field goal, and there was four punts before that. And then Jaguars punt, Browns punt, Jags punt, Jags fumble, uh, and the fumble. So Westbrook, he uh, he received a pass, and the broadcast, <laughs> the announcer had just said how much it was coming down. The, the snow was getting pretty heavy. And as a rookie, the Browns players, the Browns defense, they know that, so they're going to try to punch that ball. They're going to put their helmet on it. They're going to do anything they can to get that ball out of this rookie's hands, and that's what they did. And luckily, he couldn't gain possession uh, as as uh, the Browns player went out of bounds. And so they, they lucked out, which is great. But when you look at Westbrook, Didi, as a whole, I think – I don't think he's. I don't think he's bad at all. I think he's been playing well. Uh, him and Keelan Cole last game, people could say that Keelan maybe stopped uh, some of his routes and maybe he wasn't trying as hard. But it's one game. Like every other game, he's really stepped up. He. I don't know if he needs to get some better gloves because he does need to bring the pull the ball in a little bit better, um, make those catches. But he's able to get open. That just comes with time. If if you're able to get off the press, you're able to get open, you're able to beat these DBs, uh, and all you need to do is, is pull it in, then I don't think there's really much of an issue with him. Uh, but Didi in general, he is good. He's definitely going to be um, a playmaker in the second half of the season, especially when Hearns comes back uh, and Lee is full strength. And you guys, they just get these guys open. And I, I think, ooh, there's Bortles, his his average uh, passing yards per play, they're definitely going to go. It's definitely going to go up because right now I think it's at like 10, which is normal. It's average. Um, but like before two weeks ago, his longest play was for like 30 yards. Uh, it was it was like really, really low. Uh, but as as the weeks go on, they're going to they're going to throw up more downfield. They're going to take more chances, especially when you have these guys like Mickens isn't supposed to be a starting wide receiver, but he is. So, you know, you just have to take what what was given to you and then roll with it. So, so it's it was a uh, it was a pretty good like third quarter just in general. There was the fumble, yeah, and Coleman really started to come out of his shell a little bit against Ramsey, uh, and Ramsey was kind of backed off him a little bit, and I, that's just something that I noticed lately where Jalen has been playing off of these receivers. Is it because he's hurt? Is it this core muscle uh, issue that he had in the offseason? I'm not sure. They He was on the injured list a couple weeks ago with his back, so I don't know if that's an issue, if he's just playing it light. But I see him as a guy, if he's healthy, he's going to go all out with, you know, with guns blazing. So I think maybe he, we have a little bit to worry about with Ramsey. Uh, just try to keep him healthy. And I know Doug Marone is big on reps. But if these guys are hurt, you have to, he has to understand how to manage this as a head coach. Like, you can't make these guys jump on this field and get taped up every single game morning and every single afternoon and just running these guys in the ground like do more walkthroughs man like I understand reps are important it's good to put your nose on the ball and and put the pads on but this team is young 
This team is real young. Uh, so I, I think he just needs to manage that a little bit better uh, and get that injured list down, and, and it should be okay. But talking about injuries, is Leonard Fournette, is this an issue? Is his ankle an issue? Was it an issue in college? I'm pretty sure it was. Not his last year, but the year before last, uh, maybe his junior season, you know, the, the, the year before his uh, his last one in college, he, he missed a couple games because of an ankle injury, but is it something you want to worry about now? Should we sit him more? Should we play him more? That's something that is really going to be a, a question going into the end of the season. He's been stuttering more at the line of scrimmage, which is a little concerning. I don't know why he's not hitting the hole as hard as he used to, and I think that's allowing the defense to catch up with him. He's averaging about five yards per carry, but when you're stuttering at the line of scrimmage for the first time all season, uh, that's that's going to be a little bit of an issue. And sometimes I think he spins too much. Like, you are a big guy. Why are you spinning? Like, you're getting yourself dizzy. So uh, I think if he just went forward, was more hor- uh, north and south, he'll be okay. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure if it's the ankle issue, but I think you just need to rest them a little bit more. Doug Marone, just do those walkthroughs, man. And uh, we should be okay. But the offensive play calling in general is just kind of weird. So TJ Yeldon went in on a third and short. And it wasn't like Fournette broke a, a crazy play and they took him out. They put Yeldon in randomly on a third and short. And he didn't get it, obviously. And I think uh, on the next play, we went for it and Bortles went in for the... Uh, I think it was just a, a a QB sneak, so he ended up getting it, which is great. But why are you putting Yeldon in third and short? Uh, so it's just it's just a little iffy. I was I was a little weird by that. Um, in the third corner in general, it was all about clock management. So Leonard Fournette got the ball like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He got it like eight times at the end of the third quarter. Like, back to back to back to back. When it was third down, they threw it to Lee, and he got the first. Uh, or he, they gave it to Fowler or Fournette to get the first. So, either way, it's Lee or Fournette that's that's grounding and pounding and getting these, getting these yards. Like, Lee is just has been so clutch on that third down. So, uh, But, like I said, time of possession is the most important thing when you're up. And when it's the end of the third quarter, I think we had um, – it was like 2-1 to one, uh, for time of possession. I can get the exact numbers. It looks like we had uh, 36 minutes time of possession. So that's – it's awesome. Anytime you get over 30, uh, it's good. But we had the same amount of plays ran. Uh, total drives, 15 for Jags and 15 for the Browns. Uh, so it was just the defense really stepping up to make those plays. And when the fourth quarter, that's when it's – Fourth quarter came. That's when it really started to get interesting. Um, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. But how many times did Peppers freaking muff a punt, man? And these kick returns, he's just like, take that guy out. Do something. Do something with Peppers, man, because he wasn't doing good at all. So fourth quarter came, and Coleman was – he was getting it a little bit. He was getting his, without a doubt. Um – they uh they opened the fourth quarter with a with a punt and uh I think it, there was 11 minutes left and they gave it to Fournette twice um and then that's where Marquise Lee dropped that long deep pass but you know if you're gonna have one drop but you're gonna convert on every single third down 
I'll take it. I'll eat it, like I said. So Jacksonville had to punt. Uh, so this is this was the turning point of the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, there was about 10 minutes left. Cleveland got the ball back. They pitched it out to Duke. He had a pretty good run. And then eight minutes left, the interception by A.J. Boye. He has been the factor in these games, man. Coming down to the wire, he has stepped up. He's making these interceptions. I don't care that Ramsey's not getting a ton of interceptions because you know what? He's locking it down. Nobody's even throwing his way. They're throwing it to AJ's side. So if AJ, you wanted to, man, take it, eat it up, man. Have have dinner. Get those interceptions and give it back to the defense. You know, which is silly to even say. And if you're just gonna run the ball, run the ball, and if we don't get it and we punt, there's faith that our defense will stop them then I'll take that all day. You don't need to have such a crazy offense to get ahead and to, to get into the playoffs. You just need to have a good-ass defense because if there's no – the offense can't do anything, they're not scoring points because we're not scoring that many points on defense, but we're stopping them. So just as long as we can stop them and then we can perform a little bit better on offense and we get out this win like we just did, even though it was ugly, we still got it, that's what matters. So the defense is going to take us all the way. And if they take us to the promised land, then Blake Bortles has – he's going to have – he's going to really have to step up because that's what's going to matter. You're going to play against good defenses, uh, it, other defenses that are almost as good as you and but with better offenses. So – we really, really have to get on the same page. These Doug Marone has to keep it together uh, with how he's going to manage these guys during the week. You can't run them into the ground if they're injured. So uh, back to the game. Um, they got the interception by AJ. They gave it to Fournette like seven times in a row, something ridiculous. Uh, Lee got the first down once again. Um, and then this is when Lambeau made the field goal and put the Jags up 13-7. And it got uh, – Obviously, you know, we're going to worry a little bit in the fourth quarter. Uh, they get it back, and Duke Johnson had a good play. Then D- Dante Fowler, the fourth quarter, the Jaguars are up 13-7, and seven, 13-7, to seven, and the Browns get it back. They start running down the field. They start getting receptions, and, and they're, they're dump, little dump passes, and they're running up. They're going right up the field. They get into, uh, I think it's the 40-yard line. And guess who steps up? Ngakwe. He forces the fumble. Him and I believe it was Calais Campbell knock the shit out of Kaiser. Fowler picks it up, is about to run into the end zone for a recovery. And, of course, they blow the freaking whistle. And they want to review the play to make sure it was a sack or, or if it wasn't a fumble. Like, why don't you let these plays play out? This is what I'm talking about with these referees, man. Let the boys play and then go back. You're going to go back anyway. It's a touchdown. Every single touchdown play is reviewed. Let them play. Stop blowing the whistle. Pete Morelli is going to drive me freaking nuts. It's insane. I can't take it. We would have had a freaking defensive. Well, and that's, that's what I got. I was a little... uh aggravated because on Twitter I'm like, man, I predicted a, a defensive touchdown and they freaking blew the whistle. What the hell? Uh, and then we uh, we give the ball back to our defense. And once again, uh, Fowler gets a forced fumble and uh, TJ, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Telvin lands on it in the end zone. Um, they get another touchdown. Uh, and that's, that's how the Jags win 19-7. Uh, to seven. So 
they they got this win. It was ugly. The defense really had to step up. And who cares if they won the game for them? Because it doesn't matter how you got the win. You got the win. Next week, they're going against Arizona. And then the week after that, they have the Colts again, which I predict that's, predict that's another win. So I just think they need to sit these players during this week and really let these guys rest. A couple other points I just wanted to get into. Next week, uh, we have Arizona then the Colts, which will probably be a win again. Uh, Arizona is definitely going to be a tough game. Calais is going against his old team. I'm hoping somebody else has a birthday. I'm hoping another player is mic'd up. But catch up with me on Twitter. I am going to be posting and breaking down these videos every single week. Posting Tuesday through Saturday. Just breaking down these plays. I'm going to uh, release a couple videos on the Browns and a couple key plays, a couple key things that you really want to look at, uh, things that we may need to work on uh, as an offense. And then I'm going to break down some of Arizona's games and try to find a way and let you guys know how we're going to either win or it's going to be a tough game again. Uh, but we don't have to worry about playing in the snow, which is great. So I just, well, we don't have to worry about playing in the snow, which is awesome. Uh, so just c catch up with me on Twitter. Um, I have a website, lauriefitsports.com. So all of my graphics and the film room uh, articles and the videos are all going to be posted on there. So you can find it in one central place. Uh, but don't forget to leave me reviews on iTunes. Uh, also on SoundCloud, hit those likes. And I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Jaguars are 7-3. and three. Oh, my God. It's insane. First place in the AFC South, but catch up with me later this week. I'm going to be releasing a podcast uh, on the Arizona Cardinals and what to look for, uh, who to watch out for, uh, and the key players and predictions. And hopefully uh, Jaguars get this win. Thank you, guys, and I'll see you later in the week.